0: Today, I can tell you this. There's a decision you have. Which direction are you gonna go? You're standing at this, you're standing at a corner. Where are you going? Which direction? Which way are we gonna go today, church? That's where we're at today. We're gonna make a decision. Every single one of you have a decision to make, and it could be messy. Sometimes the word of God, oh, sometimes it can look a little messy we're gonna have fun today in this message you can be seated I'm gonna encourage you today God's word is gonna encourage you and I want you to know this I truly believe without a doubt in my mind that when you leave here today that you're gonna to come to a point in this service that you're gonna make up your mind one way or the other The title today is God Don't Want You There. I told you that last week. My title was gonna be God Don't Want You There. Last week, I was like, oh, I wanna preach that message. God Don't Want You There. Last week, I wanted to preach it. And I said, Lake Shirts, God wants you there. But here we go. Disclaimer, God don't want you there. (laughs) Maybe, maybe he wants you at Lake Shirts, I don't know. (laughs) But (laughs) it's not for me to determine where God wants you. I'm going to give you some scriptures and we're going to look at some things today. And uh, I want to encourage you that God is going to move. And I believe it without a doubt in my mind that God is going to move in someone's life today. He moved in the first service today. I'm going to preach to myself um, today. And so I want to encourage you. I pray that God would touch you because he already touched me once as I preach to myself. And so I'm going to have you right now turn to your neighbor and say, it's for him. Go ahead and say, it's for him. And then I want you to turn to your other neighbor. If you don't have one, turn to the same neighbor and tell him, turn to him and and, and tell him it's for you. Tell him it's for you. (laughs) Because this message is for all of us. (laughs) We're going to have some fun today, but God don't want you there. And it gets messy sometimes trying to figure out where God wants us. And uh, a few weeks ago, I talked a little bit about Elijah. And he was on the mountaintop. Anybody ever been on the mountaintop before? You are on your A game. You are loving life. And you you are just living it. And you are like, man, I am on the top. Elijah was on the mountaintop. 400 prophets of Baal couldn't get their God to answer by fire because he wasn't God. He wasn't a real God. He didn't answer by fire. They're up there. They're cutting themselves. Elijah was the trash talking master. I, I, what I love about it is he also had the skills to back up and, and the, he also had the backup to back up his, his trash talking. Now me, I am a trash talker. I can't play basketball for nothing. Noah, I've been to your game, Millie. I've been to your, your 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 game. and I'm pretty much just a trash talker. I come out there, y'all hear me screaming and hollering. I don't know a thing about hockey or basketball. But I will scream and yell and make noise and have a good old time. And uh <laughs> I kind of picture myself a little bit like that Elijah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got noisemakers for the next game, Noah. We're going to make some noise, okay? (laughs) Oh, but um, I I was, I I talk trash when I play basketball. And uh, there was a time I was playing some basketball with um, some friends of mine, which pretend like we're young. And uh, (sighs) no, Anita, not this night. I wasn't. (laughs) Not at one o'clock in the morning. I'm not. (laughs) <laughs> not at one o'clock in the morning am I young and we were up playing basketball at a camp you know it was young youth camp and and uh anyways this guy his name was me and John were actually on a team and this other guy his name was um what was his name I said it in the first name Andrew Herbst I have to name him um because I told John I was talking about him um <laughs> um, Andrew Herbst was his name. And this guy's like seven feet tall. Dude's a giant. He, I mean, the guy can just, I mean, he's a good basketball player too. Went to the same school Ashley did. Um, but, but the guy is just like serious when it came to basketball. I'm not serious when it comes to basketball because I hate it. I hate basketball. I can't, I couldn't, I can't play it. If my life depended on it, I could be like this far from the basketball hoop and I can't make it. My wife, you like put her, she made a half court shot. Like, I'm serious. She is like good at basketball. That's exaggerating. She can't, she's not that like that good, but she is real good. Like, but I am terrible at when it comes to basketball and I'm not like downplaying anything. I am seriously really bad. Like I can't like, if I do, it's like God put it in the basket. I didn't do it. (laughs) If I make a basket out there, it's God. Well, anyways, um, we're playing and I'm just trash talking and he gets upset. It was so funny. Uh, he got upset. Me and John were just having a good old time. And he got upset about what was ever going on. I don't even remember, but he got upset and he left. And I was like, So you, you lose then, right? And we win. And he just walked off. And I was like, Well, I guess we win. And John is laying on the basketball court. And I'm like, We won. <laughs> good time. We won against this guy. I mean, this guy, I mean, he's a good basketball player. And I was like, I was thinking about it. I was like, Man, if. If my trash talking and his skills could get together, we'd be unbeatable. (laughs) Ridiculous. But anyways, Elijah, not only could he just talk smack, he's telling them, oh, maybe your God's out hunting. Maybe he's out talking, taking a walk. Maybe he's considering sending the fire to consume your sacrifice. He is just talking trash about them. And they get all all riled up and they're cutting themselves and they're just going insane Obviously, their God don't answer by fire because he ain't real. And uh, I'm like, I think about it, and I'm like, man, he had the backup to back it up. He also knew what he needed to do. Now, me, the only thing I'm, I'm like decent at, sometimes it's like graphic, not graphic, Website stuff, like SEO, I like that kind of stuff. Tech stuff, give me the technology. I I, I enjoy preaching. Public speaking, I don't enjoy. I gotta be clear about the things I don't enjoy and the things I do. I like to preach, I don't like public speaking. There's like a difference. This is like, well, this is public speaking. It's different. (laughs) Put me in front of like a group of students or teachers where I have to like teach about like something. And I'm like, there's no presence of God here. (laughs) It gets a lot more difficult. And I'm like, I've got to reach these people. and It's a lot more different. So I look at Elijah. He does some things. According to God's word, he rebuilds the altar. He does some things specific. He rebuilds the altar. So he's up on the mountaintop. He rebuilds the altar. And then the fire falls. Notice it was a simple like two sentence prayer in, in 1 Kings chapter 18. Two sentences he prays and the fire falls. It wasn't about bringing attention to himself. It was about God getting all of the glory. It was about God receiving all of the attention. It was, hey, just so you know, I'm God. There were specific things that he did. And so he declared that God is God and let it be known all who God is. And this would be used to turn their hearts back. Bam, fire falls. And then he says, get up, eat and drink. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Man, I love that sentence. Man, he is operating at this level of faith and obedience that is just, whew. And I think about it. Like how many of you have been like, oh, I wish I could operate at that level of faith. Like how many of you are like, oh man, I wish I could see fire fall. I wish I could see these signs, wonders and miracles happen. I wish I could see all of this happen. Oh, it gets messy when you start talking about this kind of stuff because you're like, oh, Elijah was having a mountaintop experience. There is a difference in a mountaintop experience because God lets you operate. And do things that are outside of your nature, that are outside of your abilities, that are outside of your giftings. And you wonder all of a sudden, like, why all of a sudden am I not doing these things? And sometimes we get frustrated. We get confused because for a while here I am operating in this, like, realm of, like, I don't even know how I'm doing this. And then all of a sudden here I am coming down the mountain and I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, I want to be back up there. Wait, God. But God's like, no, I don't want you there because you can't sustain a mountaintop experience. And so, so much happened at this mountaintop. The cloud, the size of a man's hand. And I begin to see Elijah. He's being allowed to operate at this level that just isn't normal. He's on his A game, just killing it. Just making moves here. And then all of a sudden... There's a change. God don't want him there. He brings him down. What? What do you mean? You can't always perform at the top. Check this out. It says in Psalms 23, it says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesakes. The mountaintop experience is cool. But it's just that. God does not intend for you to stay there. I, I realize this. I love the mountaintop experience. I enjoy the mount. Boy, it is like an adrenaline rush. Oh, man, you are like, oh, Elijah up there, man. 400 prophets of Baal. And kick them out. They took them and slew them, oh, and slayed them, whatever the proper English term is there. Man, telling the devil, putting him in his place. I can only imagine what Elijah felt like. But the mountaintop experience is not intended for you to stay. I have to preach to myself for a minute. See, I'm human and I love the mountaintop because it's really cool because all of a sudden you're doing things that you didn't, like you've never done before. I came to the realization I have been asked so many times over probably the last year and a half by a handful of people. Are you okay? I don't know, Jim. Some people are like, are you sure you're okay? Like you're doing too much. And I'm like, no, I'm I'm seriously, I'm fine. Like I, I'm like, I'm like, I'm fine. Like, I'm just, I don't know. Like, God gives and I just pour and like it's fine. Like, I'm like, I don't know. I'm, whatever, it just happens. And I'm like, I, I, am confused. Like I was just, it was fine. Well, like I had this realization. We walked into our planning session the other night and I have been to hundreds of planning sessions. I have planned events with hundreds of people like coming to these events, hotels and speakers and like, I mean, like people coming, like we, we planned for year, like you know, three years in advance. Like, I'm, I mean, like we planned big events and I planned little events and I planned, like I helped with all these things and I come here and I can't, we can't put together the agenda. I'm telling you, we were struggling. Like I can't, because it's not my nature. It's agendas, is not my nature. And I was like, what's going on? Well, you know what happens when you're at the mountaintop? You can get wounded. What, look at Psalms chapter three says, he restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for my namesake? No, his namesake. He's leading me not for my purpose, but for his purpose. If I let him lead me, he's gonna do a work in me and through me. But if I don't let him lead me, I'm gonna get attracted to the mountaintop. I'm going to get stuck on the mountaintop. You know what happens? You ever, you ever seen people like, you're like, Andrew Herp's one of those people, like, how's the weather up there? We, we joke about that because like people, people, people are taller, like, oh, the weather's different. Funny, <laughs> Mount Everest, when you're on top of Mount Everest, you have to have oxygen. You have to have like different things to help you sustain life on the mountaintop. Well, what's funny about the mountaintop Is you can sustain it for so long and then you got to leave the mountaintop because the oxygen is different you need to be back where you're nourished where vegetation is where water is because you know what's at the top of the mountain not a whole lot there ain't a lot of vegetation up there you know what lives up there death (laughs) you ever been to the top of mount everest there's a lot of dead bodies up there. Lots of dead bodies up there. Death lives up the top of Mount Everest. You don't want to stay at the top of Mount Everest. You want to get back in the valley because in the valley, you know what's down there? Running water. It's not frozen water anymore. There's, there's, there's grass. There's, there's food. There's all the things that you need to sustain. There's good oxygen. It changes. So now that you, God can minister to you, i need I need a change in elevation, a change in my nature I need a change in my my position so that God can minister to me but I can get attracted to the view up here. oh it looks good up here oh oh look at all the things that are happening and I began to realize, oh man, all the things that that are happening and it's not normally my nature it, i walk into the meeting and i'm like i was so frustrated i just i didn't even have a calendar i look over at my wife at the start i was like babe we don't even have a calendar here (laughs) and and then and i'm saying this in like in all because there's a point to all of this at the end but like like we we like we're, we're going through all of this and and Like she had, she was like, I can't put it. Like I just, she can't, she couldn't put the agenda together. And she's a planner. She like, that's her nature. Like that's her thing. But like there was something like, I don't know what it was. And it's definitely not my nature, but I had it in my head. I could see it. So moving on. In the Valley, sometimes we become like, oh, why am I here? I like that up there. And we start to look to that. And God's like, hey, I need to restore your soul because while you were on the mountaintop, you were wounded. Because when you were sucking that air up there and it was not the oxygen content that you needed, your soul was wounded. The enemy whispered into you on your way down the mountain and said, you're alone. And now you are down here and you don't know what to do. Why do I say that? Because Elijah here in the next couple of verses that I'm about to say, Elijah prayed and said, God, let me die. I'm no better than my father's. What? I'm not talking about a different Elijah. From chapter 18 to chapter 19, I'm talking like 10 verses, like just a couple of verses, the same Elijah that prayed and fire fell. The same Elijah that said, I hear get up and eat because I hear the sound of abundance of rain that that it doesn't stop you. The same same Elijah that there wasn't a cloud in the sky when he said all of those things. That same Elijah that got all excited and was like full of fire and faith and all of those things is now praying, God, let me die. Elijah is depressed because the enemy whispered, And said, you're alone. Whoa. Elijah had to come off that mountain feeling pretty good. God, we did it. The people turned their hearts back to you. Man, there's a scripture in verse 18 or in chapter 18 that says, the Lord, the Lord, he is God. Oh, man. Yeah, God, we did it. Man, we conquered it. Look at that. Things are in order. Look at this. Oh man, this is so awesome. I know that some of you guys, you got your mountaintop experience. You're like, oh, do what you can do. Make I'll tell you this: if he did it once, he can do it again. Look in Psalms, he did it in Kings, and he did it in Psalms. I promise you, he can do it in Detroit Lakes. I promise you, God didn't stop being God. It's Psalms 23. I promise you he's still making ways through the water. I promise you that God is still shutting the mouths of lions. I promise he's still moving mountains. I promise you he's still doing miracles. I know it. Because it's the end of the service. Um, Leanne Graham gets up here and testifies about what God has done in her life just this last week. And how like God moved. And, and you know how God moved? <laughs> this is crazy. She goes to her job and her boss is like, we're ending your position. (laughs) God don't want you there. (laughs) But you know what? She had just turned down a job and she goes back to them. And she's like, I feel like she's like, I, I, I," it's a week later. She turned down the job and she's like, is is the job still open? And they're like, well, we actually didn't have anyone else we wanted to hire. We didn't feel right about them. And so we were just waiting for God to send us the right person. Make way through the water. Do what? In the darkest hour, God does his best work. When it seems like everything is a mess, God's like, don't worry, I got it. In the valley, I'm going to minister to you. If you'll just shut up and sit down and let me do my work, I'll do my work. But when you try and fight to get back to the mountaintop and you're like, oh, I want to be back at the mountaintop. God's like, I can't, I can't do anything for you because you're fighting me. I need you to let me minister to you. You did a work for me. I'm preaching to myself today, guys. I really am like, you know, like you may not realize it, but boy, I am hitting myself all over the head today. Yesterday, I'm walking through Walmart and all of this stuff has hit me and I'm like crying. (laughs) I told Jason, I saw him yesterday drive by. And I was like, he drove by and I could have made the next turn. And I, I was like crying. And I'm like, I had to like wipe my eyes and I had to wait for the next three cars. Cause I was like, oh my God, that's it. Oh Lord, thank you so much for like touching me right now, God, because I needed that so much. <laughs> like you don't even realize like how much this is like in my life right now. <laughs> the message comes. Let's check this out. He had been on the mountaintop. Boy, he experienced it. We all are like, I want to walk by faith, not by sight. Comes off that mountaintop. And then the voice comes. Yo, Elijah, Jezebel, she just killed all the prophets. And she's coming for you. You know what Elijah heard? You are the only one. And I'm coming to kill you all he heard was i'm gonna kill you you're the last one you failed you thought you turned you thought god turned there, but you failed you're no better than any one who's come before you you failed his soul had been wounded His spirit had been wounded in that mountaintop experience. He did everything that he could. But but why, Zach? He did what God asked him to do. He did it according to his word. God didn't want him at the top. God needed him back in the valley. God allowed him to have a mountaintop experience. And God allows each of us to have mountaintop experiences because our mountaintop experiences affect so many lives. Do you know what our valley experiences do? They restore our soul. They restore us. And while we're being restored, other people get to experience mountaintop experiences. Because the whole church can't experience the mountaintop at once. Because if we all went up there at the same time, there'd be a lot of dead bodies on the way. That's why, like, when people go up there uh, to Mount Everest, like, they take a whole group with them. I guess it's the law of averages. I guess if you take 10 people and 10% people die while you're up there, I guess only one person's going to die. But if one person goes up there, there's like more likelihood they're not coming back. You know, kind of thing. Hmm. Good. Yeah, safety in numbers kind of thing. I don't know. Makes sense. So he flees. I love Elijah. Because he's real. Sometimes we just get this I'm walking by faith thing. And we think that we can just make it. And we're just like, we're out here. I'm walking by faith and not by sight. Mm, I'm out here. I'm. I, and you know what? Good. I'm out here. I do walk by faith and not by sight. But boy, sometimes I like open my eyes and I'm like, oh Lord. <laughs> the enemy whispers in my ear. You're by yourself. I've heard that one many times. <laughs> I've told you guys about it. I'm by myself. Told you about it. And then I realized I'm not by myself. I'm not alone. (sighs) But then he flees. You see, Elijah was afraid for his life. Who's afraid for their life? I like to live. I like to live. You know what he does? (sighs) He runs off. And he goes in just a couple chapters, one chapter, sorry, just a couple verses over, we find 1 Kings chapter 19. But I want to give you something before I get into this. You need to know the difference from taking rest and be from and from coming and from becoming complacent. Because God gives rest. And we become complacent. God gives grace. And we get complacent. God gives grace and we get stingy. (laughs) God gives mercy and we're like, I need more. (laughs) A lot of times. I go. Unintentionally. I lose my way and i find myself being led into darkness unintentionally find myself falling into darkness other times i allow myself to go into darkness because it's what's comfortable because it's what's familiar elijah comes off the mountaintop and he does something Verse four, it says, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and he came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now. O Lord, take away my life for I am not better than my father's. That is a really nice way of praying. God, let me die. I don't know what his act like if that's his actual words good for you elijah because boy that is not the prayer i've prayed to god when i wanted to die i have prayed way worse prayers to god when i was sick of living because i have been down and out i have been in this elijah came off the mountain and was depressed praying for god to take his life I'm not better than my father's. Well, that's a tough one. generational. Oh God, I'm not better than my father's. Man, you just saw the fire fall, but the enemy whispered, "I'm coming for you. Who? who's prayed that? Come on, I, I've prayed that prayer. God just take me. Elijah was done running. And he sat down and said, God, just take me. I just want to remind you, God don't want you there. That's not, that's not where God wants you. God, God doesn't want you in that state of being stuck. But I also want you to know that God let him be there. What? God didn't just take him out of it, but God let him stay there. There was a reason. Because when we're wounded on the mountaintop, we need rest. And God allowed him to have rest. And sometimes my rest can turn to complacency. And I have got to be so cautious as a Christian that I don't allow my rest to become complacency. Because Elijah could have laid under that tree and just said, I'm done. They're either going to find me or God's going to take me because I'm the last one. And what if he was the last one? What if what if you are? What if you are the only one? Well, then you've got nothing left to lose. So you might as well fight with everything that's inside you. You might as well lay it all on the line. Because God's allowed you to be in a position. That I'm going to fight with everything that's inside me. And I know. But that may sound like, oh, well, Zach, I know it's really hard when you're on that ground to say, I'm going to fight with everything. Because when we're wounded and the enemy whispers, it's really hard to make those transitions. Here's what I know coming down from the mountain, the enemy sees. Because the enemy's not dumb. I mean, he is, because he's the enemy i'm gonna call him dumb but the enemy is gonna use his best attacks when he sees that he can i i get up and i say things like oh hell's gonna know my name and we all like oh yeah we like to wear those shirts that say not today satan i don't think if you're gonna make hell mad hell's not gonna put a target on your back Y'all don't think that if you're gonna if you if you're gonna do something for God, hell's not gonna try and be like, <laughs> putting a target on that person's back, <laughs> all the other bench warmers, y'all are right where we want you. <laughs> but that person over there that's doing something, <laughs> you got a target on your back. <laughs> Hell gets threatened by the one that's doing something. Hell was threatened by Elijah, and that's why Elijah was. Laying down, he needed rest because hell had whispered and said, You're the only one. So when you're down there and you're laying down, try and remind yourself the best you can. Hey, hell's threatened by you. That should be a little bit of encouragement right there. God don't want you there. He's not gonna leave you there. Let me just remind you that God did not leave Elijah there, but He let them, He let him be there. So in verse, in, in verse 5 through, uh, 5 through 6, it says, And he lay and slept under a juniper tree. He needed rest. Behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake, bacon on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down, and laid him down again. What? He laid him down again. Means he needed another nap. Now, sometimes... You need to let God minister to you. Stop you know, oh God, I need to worship you. Nope. Nope. God's like, no, you, you, you did. <laughs> I need you to let me minister to you. I need to you you need to sit down and let me feed you. I, I need to do something for you, God. Nope. It's my turn to do something for you. What? What do you mean? You mean, yeah, as a Christian, sometimes. The place that we need to be, you're, this is going to sound so contrary to some of the things I've always said, but it is also true. On the bench. We're like, "What, Zach, you just called bench warmers. Yeah, but there's, there's bench warmers who always ride the bench, and there's, there's people who need to be on the bench because maybe they have an injury. i thielen he had a bench. He had to be benched because he got injured just not too long ago. He hurt his ankle. Is he still on the bench? He's he still on the bench? because he was injured right but he ain't gonna always be on the bench as soon as he's better he's gonna be back on the field he's not a bench warmer he's not sitting on the bench he's not just taking up a he's not just taking up a spot because he's like oh i want to wear the name and look cool he's he's sitting on the bench because he's allowing himself to be healed right? He, he needs to let something work on him and in him, right? And the same thing is true for us. Sometimes we have to sit there and allow God to minister to us so that we can go forward and be better. He's going to physical therapy. He's going to training. He's going to everything that he needs to do so that when he comes back, he's still strong. I bet you he's still doing strength training. He's probably still doing all the things. He's drinking his water just like Elijah did. There was water. There was food, all of those things. So the Lord lets him rest. Now, if he decides to sit there on the bench, eventually he's going to lose his spot on the team, right? Oh, you're beyond repair. Well, you as a saint of God are never beyond repair. That's the beauty of this. You are never beyond repair. But you can choose to sit there on the bench and never make a move for God. And the problem is, in a lot of cases, we can become so comfortable with the bench. There's a lot of people who've come to church. God, I need a touch from you. Because the church should be like a hospital. And and we come, we get in our hospital bed. And 20 years down the road, I'm still In the same place. Because I haven't put the work. Not only am I. You know what? I'm not even in the same place. I'm worse off because I have stayed. In that same place. I haven't put in any work. And and I'm worse off. As a Christian. Elijah. He didn't even stay there. As a Christian. I have got to have a determination. I've got to seek God. Verse 7, it says, And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee.' Stop rejecting what God gives you, because what God is going to give you is what's going to give you the strength to make the journey to get to where you need to be. So that you can get to the presence of him. So that you can get to where he wants you to be. So that you can minister to people. So that you can get what you need It's messy. Yeah, I know that. I didn't even have a title or a slide for this whole series until like the middle. It's messy. It's like the whole thing is just messy. I love it. Like the whole thing. Like it just fits together. I love it. Elijah sat down, got rest. But God said, you're not staying here. When you sit down, get the rest. And I want every person to do it because I need to do it. Whenever I had you guys teach Bible study, man, you ministered to me. I cannot even describe how much you ministered to me. I came and got something. We sometimes take advantage of the rest and overindulge and we call it blessing and living in the overflow. Yeah, I want to live in the overflow. But sometimes we need to stop living in the overflow because we have become overindulged Christians and we need to get back out in the field and do something for God it's not wrong but we got to move because God did not call us to stay in this place God did not call him to that place he allowed him to be in that place so we see this restoration of the soul taking place we see the, the sustaining of Elijah's physical and spiritual self. We see the preparation for the journey. It's almost like we're reading Psalms 23 in 1 Kings chapter 19. What this tells me is that God did it once and he'll do it again because we serve the God that's more than enough. That we serve the God that, that, that's willing to do it over and over and over again. We serve the God that, 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 that will move the mountain. We serve the God that, that's willing to come down and say, I, I love you. I care about you, don't get so attracted to the mountaintop. I love the mountaintop experience, but I've gotta love the valley more because the valley is where I get what I need. The valley is him ministering to me. God allowed him to rest, but God did not call him to stay there. He traveled on 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb and is asked by God, what are you doing here, Elijah? 1 Kings 19, God asks him, what are you doing here? I get a kick out of that. God, what what do you mean? What am I doing here? Well, 40 days ago, I was thinking about dying. You know, I was asking you to take my life. So I don't know if you remember that, but like I didn't really want to live anymore. I don't know if you remember, like it came off the mountaintop and they were like, hey, I'm coming to kill you. I don't know if you remember that. And I don't don't know. Remember, God, if you remember like you, you sent the fire, thought the people turned their hearts and like, They killed all the prophets and I'm by myself. Uh, So I'm here. (laughs) No, God knew all that. God knew everything. Verse 11 through 12, it says, and he said, go forth and stand upon the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind went the mountain and break in pieces the rock before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Boy, I'll tell you, there's been times in my life where I'm like, oh, God, if you'll just send a lightning strike, I'll know exactly what you want me to do. God, if you'll just blow that cloud across the sky, I'll go where you want me to go. If you let the pop-up come up on my computer one more time, I'll know exactly what you want me to do. God, I'll make it easy on you. If you'll let that person, if you'll let, if you'll let them call about my car's extended warranty one more time today. <laughs> I'll know that it's your will for me to stay. God's like, wow, you really don't get it, do you? You're looking for it in the big things. And after the fire, a still, small voice. It was in the still, small voice. Stop looking in the big thing. Stop looking in all these things. Stop looking over here, over there. Shh. It was not until he quieted the voices in his head. It wasn't until he quieted the enemy's voice that he could hear the still, small voice and begin to feel the presence of God. You see, a lot of times we begin to look for God with our eyes. We begin to look for God with all of the things that we can see. We want the feel goods. We want all of these other things in our life. And the reality is our mind is in a million different places because of the lies the enemy has told us. Over and over again, you're not good enough. You'll never amount to anything. You could never do something for God. All of these things in our life You have been torn up, beat up, and you have been wounded and you feel like you are of no value to the kingdom of God. And God is like, shh, listen to my voice. And until you silence those voices, tell them to be quiet. I need to hear God's voice. Until you say, I need to hear his voice until you tune into that voice. It's going to be real hard to get into the presence of God and get what you need because you're going to be forever looking for the value in a voice that tells you you're not worthy. You're alone. In verse 18, it says. Yet. I have left me 7,000 in Israel. Oh, Elijah, I know you think you're alone, but I want you to know you're not because I've left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have never bowed unto Baal. They're just like you, Elijah. They've never bowed. Their mouths have never kissed him. And he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Look at that. Here we go. We see Psalms 23 happening right here. Look at that. He prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I'm surrounded with people that love God, that have never bowed. There's people just like me, and they have not fallen. They have not bowed. You are not alone. Stop listening to the voice of the enemy. He's a liar, and he's seeking whom he may devour, and he wants to destroy your soul. That's what he seeks to do is to destroy your soul. Don't give him the ear. Give God your ear because God has found value in you. In Matthew chapter and 18 and verse 12, it says, What do you think if someone has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Won't he leave the 99 on the hillside and go and search for the one stray? And if he finds it truly, I tell you, he rejoices over that sheep more than over the 99 that did not go astray. Why does he rejoice over the one? The 99 are there. Forget about the one. No, because the one is still there it's alive the enemy didn't take it what the enemy meant for evil god took it and he turned it for good don't stray try your best not to stray but if you do he's gonna come back he's gonna try and bring you back oh but oh try and stay with try and stay but But if he does and he brings you back, remember the reason why he rejoices over you. The reason why he does is because the enemy did not get you, the enemy did not destroy you. You have value. The shepherd would rejoice because it had a purpose. That sheep was the livelihood, that sheep meant sustaining the community, it meant sustaining the family, it meant it could be a sacrifice to God. There was purpose for that sheep. That means you have purpose. Why would he rejoice? You've got 99. But they're all back again. And this one here. This one here has purpose too. Just like all 99 do. I don't lose my income. I don't lose. I don't lose. My family gets to eat. That's why. God will look for you. God loves you because he found value in you. Why did he choose to die on a cross for you? Because he loves you. He cares about you. He found value in you when you didn't deserve it. None of us deserve it. But yet he said, you have value. I can't even find the value in myself. But he says, I found it. 2 Corinthians 2, 9-10, it says... And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my weakness, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take my pleasure in weakness, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So this is where I have to tell you, I got a priest to myself. I know my weaknesses. I know my insecurities. And I look at this here. Paul said "I glory in my weakness that the power of Christ rests upon rest upon me. So I take pleasure in my weakness and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distress. Not for his sake, but for Christ's sake. It wasn't for his own glory. It was for the glory of God. He did not bring glory to himself, he brought glory to God. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Why? Because verse nine, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. The problem we have is too many people have allowed our insecurities to rule our lives for so long that we refuse to allow the power of God to be glorified in our weakness and we oper- and operate through us because that's not us. We stop the operation of the power of God because that's not me. And I'm too proud because, whoa, now God's made strong. And I would rather bring glory to my insecurity and my weakness than glory to God. How many times have I done it where I talk about the weakness rather than the glory of God? Jennifer caught me last week. <laughs> we got to bring glory to God. I can't glorify in the weakness. I am who the I am says I am. I'm going to bring glory to God. I am thankful that God would allow me to be used of him. I'm thankful. I'm going to bring glory. Yes, I have weakness, but I'm not going to bring glory to the weakness. I'm going to allow him to use the weakness. I don't like public speaking, but I am not going to allow the, that fear to stop me, I'm going to allow that weakness for him to shine and be made strong in that. So, God don't want you there. I wanna remind you of this. Don't allow yourself to become proud about an insecurity. Don't allow yourself to become proud about the problem. Allow yourself to chase after God. Elijah, even though he sought death, began to seek God. So you have a question to ask yourself right now. Where does God want me? I never told you that. And that's why it's a mess. I never said, where does God, where does God want you? Well, that's between you and God. But as I was walking through Walmart, it hit me. Sometimes God will allow you to fail. Maybe even cause you to fail in certain areas in ministry because he does not want you to be in that place. It hit me. Some things happened at that planning meeting. And I was like, man. Was, the next day I was talking to Rochelle. I was like, man. I was like, I think part of that was because God wanted us to see things that we would never see if we'd have walked in and had it all perfect. I said, we, that had to happen. And we had to feel that way in that moment so that we could feel, so we could see what God wanted us to see. I didn't feel bad, I didn't feel bad. Not a bit bad, because I had been operating in an area of ministry that I wasn't intended to be in. I got to be at a mountaintop experience and I need to be in the valley and someone else needs a mountaintop experience. It'll never cause you to stumble. So, I want to share a verse with you that I never read. This verse right here, all the way back, 1 Kings 19, verse 3, it says, maybe this is the reason why Elijah felt the way he felt. Maybe it's not. But in verse 3, it says, and when he saw that, he arose and went. For his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and he left his servant there. Elijah chose to be alone. We all need to be alone sometimes, but I think Elijah chose to be alone at the wrong time. I'm thinking about not being alive. You should not be alone. I'm not saying his servant would have stopped or changed anything. But maybe his servant could have helped him through. Maybe his servant could have encouraged him. Maybe his servant could have lifted him up a little bit. I know that I've encouraged people. I know that there are people in this room that have encouraged me. If I was alone like the enemies told me that wouldn't have taken place. If I would choose to seclude myself, then it would, I would reject everything that's ever said. So if you choose to seclude yourself, if you choose to separate yourself, that could be the case. So maybe a place that God does want you to be is in the place of others, is surrounded by like-minded believers. So the case that I present for you, I don't know where God doesn't want you to be. I don't know about that. Maybe it is Lake shirts. Maybe it's not. But maybe, just maybe, we got to link arms and walk it a little bit better. You all got to have your alone time. But the journey Elijah was on, I believe he needed a brother or a sister to link up with. I do believe that. He didn't have to walk this alone. Because he literally says, I'm the only one. He didn't have to be. Because God said, there's 7,000 others. There was always a remnant. We're all broken and in need of a master. We all have faults and failures. We all make mistakes. None of us in here today are perfect. None of us are exempt from needing a touch from God. There's not a person in here. If I was to say, oh, if you need God, um, come to the front. In my opinion, every single one of us needs to come to the front because I'm all in need of a savior i'm all we're all in need of a touch from god i was talking at the end of church with someone i said i said in in my mind there's some people are like i could never walk up to the front and and get prayer exactly that's why i'm like i'm always like i encourage people together to come up to the front because like it encourages every person well i may not be able to walk up there because i i'm like i'm going alone and everybody's gonna think i'm a rotten filthy sinner well that's why i'm like if you're if you declaring yourself that i'm not a rotten filthy sinner well then maybe you should come up here (laughs) so that the rotten filthy sinners like myself can come up here (laughs) and not feel judged (laughs) i encourage every single person like it's okay like we all need god you're not prayer is always good getting prayer giving prayer like linking up together that's why i always encourage people let's pray together and so i believe this today I want this whole place to be an altar. I, I, I believe that we, as a church, yes, we are we are broken people, but but we are people in need of a savior, in need of a master. And I can't, I cannot shake what I feel in here today, that that each and every one of us are in a place, we're at a crossroads, and God does not want us to remain on the mountaintop. He does not want us to remain stagnant in the valley. And he does not want us to remain in a place thinking, I should not be here. Oh, God, why am I here? God, I, I, I'm not. I'm as, I'm as bad as my father's. God, I am not, I'm of no value. He does not want us in these places. He wants us moving forward in our relationship with God. He wants us moving forward in our relationship with him. We're all broken. And so I challenge you today. If you're comfortable, let's make this whole place an altar. Let's leave no one behind. Let let's let's stand link arms together let's stand with one another because I know without a shadow of a doubt in this day and age we need one another we cannot do this alone I need you and and you need me we need each other to stand I I need you because I can't do it alone I I need my brother and I need my sister I'm broken and I need you I I need you to help me stand when they were when they were uh, in, in the day of Pentecost they were all in one mind and one accord they, they they gathered together, and so I want us today to gather together. If you feel comfortable, why don't you join me at this at the front? Why don't you why don't you come together and let's gather together as a church, one body, one mind, one accord, and let's begin to see God. God, God, I pray right now that you would begin to move in this place, God. You know every heart, God. You know every person, God. You know every need, God. I pray that you would begin to sweep across this place, God. Oh, that you would touch. That you would move, God. That you would minister, God. You have a choice to make. You know the decision. You stand at the crossroads today. God, I worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. God, bring us together, God. Never let us stand alone. God. I wish I could bring so much more.
1: But if it is true,
0: he is. It's always the ones with the scars that you use. Oh, it's the rebels and the prodigals. It's the humble and the weak. All the. table just wait No shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up. Coming after me.